Grant. And this is Sex Archie. Where 2001 is a farce oddity. That's right, we are a Riverdale recap podcast. But before we jump our, our sweet little toesies into the depths of whatever season five has in store, we are talking about perhaps the greatest bit of, of uh, filmed Archie universe uh, uh, media. Yes. Of all time to date. And that is the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats movie. <laughs> it's been 20 years. <laughs> 20 it, It's having its 20th anniversary this year in in April. How I feel like we need to have a party. Right? There should be think pieces. There will be think pieces. There I I got to talk to Clint. Maybe, maybe I can write do something. An article. We yeah. got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Themed bef- birthday party <laughs> for myself. That's true. Yes. Let's celebrate 33 <laughs> with the Josie and the Pussycats movie birthday party. Hey, all your favorite brands are invited. <laughs> But uh, before we jump right into it, uh, I'm sure a lot of you, when when this episode came up on your feed, you click the play button, something unfamiliar hits your ears, and you say, what's this? And you throw your phone across the room because a witch has cursed it. No, that is not the case. That is our brand new theme uh, provided by the illustrious J.W. Friedman. Uh, you can find more of his work on all sorts of places, including his own podcast, I Don't Even Own a Television. It's very good. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to cut up and use the, the music he provided at the time of this recording. Uh, I do know I'm going to put the whole thing uh, j- for just this once as the, the outro so you can listen to the entire piece. He did a fantastic job. Don't stop with 10 seconds to go. He got really <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> like, really, no, really mad at me. Because it makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> it makes no sense to listen to a song and visibly enjoy yourself and then not listen to the last 10 <laughs> seconds. I've never done something that appalled you so much. Nonsense. Literally nonsense. <laughs> You, I thought you were going to divorce me right then and there. Just be like, get out, pack a bag, go. But but now that we've had a little bit of an introduction to the topic of the day, a little bit of a housekeeping announcement, though perhaps those two should have been in the other order. <laughs> That's my fault, I guess. Let's get right to it uh, with our Universal uh, logo, our MGM Studio <laughs> logo. So, this masterpiece of a film. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we open on Screaming Teens. Hell yes. Uh, this is so of its time. Th- this movie, uh, for a while I was thinking you could not make this outside of the, the late 90s. Uh, spring of 2001 counts as the late 90s. If you weren't there, you don't know that how true that is. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's B-roll of screaming teenage fans about the latest boy band. There was a return to this in uh, the the height of One Direction. If uh, all of the the K-pop groups came to America at once, we could see something like this again. But it still feels so very of its time. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't feel like we've uh, gotten quite to this level again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody uh, in branded merch. Yeah, and like the crying and the the obsession, the level of obsession, I feel like we just have not reached in a while. And, and of course, the news crew finds the one boy to talk to in the sea of 100 <laughs> girls, and it is the screen debut! Of Go! Of Justin Chatwin, Goku himself, he's Jimmy little... Steve of American Shameless fame. He's a little baby. <laughs> he, and he's obsessed. That's how you know it's a 2001 film. It's the screen debut of Justin Goku Chatwin. Well, and it's also, I don't I don't know if you caught on to it, because I don't know, uh, you know, quite what your boy band life was like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, around that time. But it is very much a parody of I Want It That Way. Very much. It it is halfway between a Backstreet Boys video, that one in particular, and the Blink-182 parodies of Of Backstreet Boys videos. Yes. It is very much that. As this private jet lands, and not only do you, does the band exit, but they exit while performing choreography to their latest hit, Backdoor Lover. This movie from Archie Comics starts with a, a ass sex joke? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> obviously? Well, and we haven't... Uh, their their name. Have we even mentioned their name? They are called Du Jour. Yeah. They are the band Du Jour. They, they are the music act of the day. See, we got highbrow, we got lowbrow. And they, they got it all going on. They got the flame shirts, <laughs> like the flame muscle tees. They got the pleather p- pants. Everyone's in the same color palette. They, they all have their individual, like, lenses through which, like, like they have their branded personalities. Yes. Uh, one of them is a dangerous street cowboy. <laughs> well, obviously, it was the early 2000s. Someone had to be the street cowboy. There was always the one that wore a cowboy hat. But the detail of their look that I love is they all have an over-ear mic. Yeah. And they are never not seen with them. Every time you see these four men through the entire film, they are all wearing their mics. Well, it it's is perfect. permanently attached. <laughs> they can't take them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it grew out of them. That, that is how this works. The four members of the of this band are all recognizable faces if you've seen the writer-director's previous collaboration, Can't Hardly Wait. But three, even if you haven't, three of the four are pretty recognizable. Yes. We've got Breckenmeyer and Donald Faison of Clueless, not too long ago when this came yeah. out. Seth Green of, like, fucking Seth Green, he's been in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the other dude. The who, other dude. Who hasn't been in, like, shit that we've seen. He was in Can't Hardly Wait. He has, like, ten credits, and that's it. (laughs) Which makes so much sense, because his character is the, like, fourth member that, like, no one cares about. Yeah, yeah. So so after they make their big appearance, we follow them back onto their plane. Which (laughs) is completely branded for Target and Bounce fabric softener. The first thing that strikes you, it is a Target store in there. Everything is logos. And it's white and red. But then you start to notice that it's also the the home goods aisle of Target. Like yeah, there's, there's just random home things. There's yeah. a mounted wall of three boxes of bounce fabric softener just cause. There's 
uh, uh, boxes of, of Crest toothpaste as the, the window shade pulls on the airplane window. Everything is branded. We can't mention it every time because this would be a five-hour episode because it never, ever stops with a few exceptions. We're going to mention the exceptions because they matter. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's it's constant. Everything all the time. in this movie, and it might have something to say about consumerism, it or it might. might be trying to have something to say about consumerism. Yeah. Well, and what I read is that uh, none of it is actually licensed. Nope. They just did it all. They were like free advertisement. Here we Zero go. Zero dollars exchanged hands, except I guess from between the prop department. Yeah. And their local Target store. <laughs> Please tell me they just bought everything at Target. There's like name brand dish soap just sitting <laughs> like on, on the card table in, in their private jet lounge. Why? This, uh, while they're on the plane and they're like getting ready to leave and we're taking all this in is when we get introduced to their manager. Yes. Which is Alan Cumming. He has no other name to me. His he's name Alan. is Wyatt. His I found that out about like 30 minutes later in the movie. That's his name. His name is Alan Cumming. There is a certain point in my notes where I switch from Alan Cumming to Wyatt. It is useful, I guess, because there's allegedly a character named Alan M in this, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> But he, he's your your he's your typical like slimy like you're up to no good type mm-hmm. thing. You can tell right away. You're like, mm, what you up to, man? Yeah, he he's the pleasantly airbrushed face of a clearly evil operation. Yes, uh, there's also a monkey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Seth Green or Brecken Meyer. One of them owns a monkey. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I'm not sure which. There's just a lot that happens in this scene. The point is the band is is imploding. Uh, we have three very large personalities that are all looking out for themselves. And, and whatever sort of camaraderie the, these boys used to have is entirely lost. They're imploding. And uh, Wyatt is starting to see that they may no longer be useful to his aims, yes. especially when Street Cowboy comes up from the back because he's noticed something weird in the mix of their latest single. There's, there's, there's something there. There's something strange. What is this? So Wyatt goes straight to the front of the plane, uh, uh, opens up the cabin door, and gives a code phrase to the pilot, which is maybe the darkest joke in the whole movie. Take the Chevy to the levee. Which is code for crash this fucking plane and kill the musicians. And so they jump out. Oh my out. god. <laughs> How do how do you joke about the death of the big bopper like that? They did. Um, <laughs> I, so I guess that's how you do. It's kind of self-explanatory about how you do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, so they, they parachute out of the plane and they leave the dudes to uh, die um, with their plane crashing about 40 miles from Riverdale. So Wyatt, uh, uh, as he, he collects himself and folds his chute, uh, gets a phone call that, well, you better find a new band uh, uh, fast. And right behind him is the Wh- Riverdale Welcomes You sign, which is also glorious. So if you've entered a small town in America yes. and you've seen their big welcome sign, below it you have roundels from like the local Lions Club and Elks Lodge. and, and The VFW. The, right. The and UAW. And- celebrate. 
especially in Michigan, the UAW. <laughs> and yeah, at any sort of union hall or like celebrating uh, that one time our, our basketball team entered the state tournament 40 years Not ago. Not even one, just entered. <laughs> But instead, this Riverdale Welcomes You sign, uh, instead of those roundels, has the logos for Boston Market, Kodak, Puma, Apple, Rite Aid, Ray-Ban, and etc. See, the thing I love about it is there. I feel like there's a certain level to those, and then there's Boston Market. <laughs> I love Boston Market, but like, I don't feel like it's quite on par with some of the other places. Boston <laughs> Market was at their height in they, 2001. This is True. Everyone fucking loved Boston Market back then. Like, honestly, people should still now. Like, have you had their mac and cheese or their cornbread? It is a wonderful thing. Yeah. The management is bad, but the recipes are still good. Yeah. 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 Copycat recipe for Boston Market cornbread. Yes. It works. Here, okay? Like, go look it up because you need to know, like, the eggs and the milk and all that. But basically, you need a box of Jiffy corn mix. Yes. And a box of Jiffy yellow cake mix <laughs> that's all it takes that's all it takes and it's like honestly the cornbread and it's so fucking good plus a pinch of love a little love a little love maybe a hair <laughs> for for the authentic experience yes. <laughs> so then we get our tv show opening sequence it's time for a montage. First of many. This is where we get introduced to uh, the Pussycats mm -hmm. and, and Josie and Melody and Val and their lives in Riverdale of playing a, as a band and also and being like friends and volunteering and and having jobs at coffee shops or like clothing stores or whatever it is that they do. Uh, I, I want to say that Melody working at a pet rescue and Valerie like working charity food drives are both elements of their characters that uh, were very like integrated into the recent like 2018, I want to say, 12 issue ongoing from uh, Archie Comics. Drawn by Audrey Mock, who does incredible art on that book. I really, I really like the modern Josie book a lot. It's my favorite part of the montage is uh, when Melody is protesting and she causes a car crash. Well, the, her sign says... Or is it, she's not protesting, but like... Her sign says, honk if you love pussy cats. And there's a space. <laughs> and the cat's part is covered up by a tree when she causes a car crash. I love it. I choose to believe Reggie Mantle uh, wrecked his car that day. Uh, so we have... Uh, we should talk about who's playing these characters. We should. So Josie is played by uh, Rachel Lee Cook. I would say ably. She's fine. What has she been up to in the years? She's done a lot of voice acting okay. in, in the uh, recent years. Uh, her, her face is most famous uh, from She's All That, which yeah. was shortly before this film. Yes. Melody is played by Tara Reed, Who is Awful. Oh my god, she's so bad. Her only job is to be pretty and dumb. Two things that she's allegedly in real life. Her character is exactly that one girl from Mean Girls. Yes. But they should have cast Amanda Seyfried. When she was a baby. When she was a teeny tiny baby. Was she even alive? <laughs> no, she must she must be like 25 or something now. Like she was alive, but she was a baby. Uh, and then we have Rosario Dawson. Awful person, but the best acted of the Pussycats. 
So, so we see their their day to day lives while we're hearing the first of their songs. The the uh, one really 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 fucking catchy song. <laughs> the producers assembled a murderer's row of like of, of pop rock talent in order to collaborate on these songs for this fictional band. They really went for it. Like they're all pretty good for like mm-hmm. music made for movies and then there's like two songs that are actually like wow these are catchy i would have like jammed out to these mm-hmm. but all of them no, no matter how good they are individually are perfect examples of exactly the sort of band that would have made a huge splash say 18 months before this movie came out yeah you know you got you, got, you have your production lead time so uh, this montage eventually ends and with them like really jamming out to their song and we find out that they're playing in a bowling alley. Ba-ba-ba. Um, <laughs> and they got to move because they need the lane. <laughs> um, I would like to pause and talk about the costumes. Yes. Uh, because I had a note about how much I really liked Melody's bandana headband with cat ears. <laughs> yes. Like she had that... that bandana look that was very very popular from 1998 to 2002 it's also how you could describe most of her shirts (laughs) she also was totally the one that was always wearing the bandana shirts no sleeves no backs no service uh nothing they wear works well with a bra (laughs) and you can tell in the one action scene no support. We'll we'll get there. Uh, so as as they they leave with their equipment and their five dollars profit each. No, nope, no, nope, just five dollars because they owed the bowling alley five dollars each for their bowling shoes that they were required to wear while they played on top of a bowling lane. So they only left with five dollars total. And and uh, they are accosted by uh, the mean girls. The mean girls, basically, the, these three. <laughs> Pink ladies. Who love du jour. They love du jour so much. They are basically the Who's in the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. Yeah. But instead of Christmas, it's about du jour. Uh, so then that leads to uh, Josie needing a pep talk that, no, she's a rock star. Who's yeah. a rock star? You're a rock star. <laughs> Don't let those bitches get you down. <laughs> And so Josie gathers herself in her home, the first place with no branding images. (laughs) She's a rebel. So when we go to her home, we see this like very suburban area where everything looks the same and everyone has the same SUV. Except for her her home. Her home's different. (laughs) It's edgy. (laughs) I live in an edgy house. (laughs) Which is why it has no branding. Because it's edgy. So she's like practicing her her rock star stance in the mirror. It's very edgy. It's very edgy. And she gets startled by Alan M., uh, another actor who, rare for this movie, never became famous. He was in two, uh, and I would say the best two, Bourne movies. Who was he in the Bourne movies? He was sort of an assistant to Brian Cox's character. Who then kills him in uh, the third Bourne movie. Yeah, he gets a death scene. Spoilers! And and Jason Bourne doesn't give it to him. I didn't look at his face enough. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so it's one of those things where like, she totally has a crush on him, but he's like totally unaware. Or is he? Or is he? Maybe maybe, it's a weird double bluff. But like, 
she's trying to get him to say things and he's just oblivious and she's fixing his car. Because that's apparently only girls in Riverdale know how to fix cars. No boys. <laughs> she and Betty went to shop class together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they apprenticed under, under the same wise uh, auto mechanic. Hey, I am all for girls knowing how to, like, do that. But mm-hmm. I'm also like... What the fuck they doing, boys? Like, go take your sh- your auto class. No one to fix your own car. But he's too busy doing a weird Bob Dylan impression and talking about very smelly men. Yeah. Uh, then we get to meet the Pussycats manager and his sister. Yes. Alexander Cabot III and Alexandra Cabot, of course, who aren't in this movie for any discernible reason. No, no, no. As she says later on. She's there because she was in the comic. Which is great. (laughs) And that is why the two of them are there. It's because they were in the comic. They acquit themselves well with small roles. You know, this is how you prove there are no small parts, only small actors. Because the two of them kill it. Yes, they do. They just have no dramatic purpose to being there. They, They are occasionally there so someone can be in a scene with them. Yeah. Rather than alone. (laughs) Yeah. They're a lot. They're the a thing, lot. So here's the thing. When we we got, they were introduced, I kind of like forgot that they existed as characters. For long stretches of the movie. Well, no, I mean, like, I forgot that they were like in the comics. <laughs> and then like, because of their costuming, like flashes of their characters just started coming back to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, visually remembering them. I was like, oh my God. Alexandra does have the, the skunk blonde streak. Thank you. Th- thank you, hair and makeup. It's thank also the you. way they match their costumes yes. through the whole thing. It's it's very like Ryan Sharpay mm-hmm. for our younger crowd here. I would not be surprised <laughs> if that's where they like should. a sleeper hit, like like a cult hit like this, is the place where you would look for costume inspiration when you're making High School Musical. I would not be surprised in the least. Yeah. While we're doing actor notes, they are played by the lady from Galaxy Quest, who goes on to be Violet Beauregard's mom in the the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. She's great in everything. (laughs) I think our most stunning revelation. (laughs) That Alex went on to play. The, the, The fake medic that dies in the Expanse. It's a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for, like, the second or third episode. Like, he does not make it deep into that show. So. It's, it's fine. You're fine. It's fine. But, like, oh, my God. He, he was also the star of uh, the NBC hit spinoff, Joey. I guess oh. Joey was the star of Joey, but Wasn't he was the other guy. was something else recently where you're like, that person was in that, too? No, it was when I was looking up, why do I recognize the medic from The Expanse? <laughs> it's because he was in Joey. Oh, that's right. And he was also Axe in uh, the Animorphs TV series. Never saw that. I mean, it, it, it also has Iceman from X-Men. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's in that. Oh. Or Lamplighter from The Boys more recently. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Boys is good. Okay. So, uh, oh, oh, okay. So they're like when we meet these characters, okay, yes. they're, I, they're in like the kitchen because I guess mm-hmm. the girls live together. And my one of my favorite um, pieces of set decoration is the random light bulb behind them. That's one of those ones covered in the uh, spiky glue. Yes. Spiky colored glue. Yes. And I like was like, oh my God, those, those things, <laughs> those things that there's no reason it exists, but everyone 
had. This movie's trying so hard to be as it is a time of its moment as possible. Yeah, it. it, It's people will look back on this and like watch it, like you know, in many years in the future, it'll be like, ah, this is the way life was in two (laughs) thousand one, and what people looked like, and they will be thirty percent right. It, it just needs a shot of someone's bedroom that is entirely wallpapered in those one-inch square Polaroids. No, it needs the sponge paint. Yes. The sponge painting that everyone did in their bedroom. Yes, yes. Because everyone did that. You, got, you had to get your two-tone sponge paint. There is like a 12-year-old listening to this right now that's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you hey, guys are crazy. I'm so- Dear 12-year-old, I'm sorry for saying ass sex. <laughs> As soon as we got down to business, I meant butt sex. Um, there's also cats everywhere. Just gotta throw. There's so, they really want you to know there's pussy going on. Mm-hmm. Little pussy cats running around. Uh, now, now that we've seen our pussy cats uh, in uh, uh, stage mode, they are now pal mode. They're hanging out, jo- sharing a thing of ramen. They're jocular. Yeah, like. I guess they're they're really trying to drive home how broke this band is. They're trying to stretch one pack of instant ramen among three people. Rachel Lee Cook is very tiny. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> Which is a plot point later. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. I just mean like she's like very a very petite person. She don't need a whole pack of ramen, I guess. I don't Guess that's what they're going for. Uh, yeah. Let the girl have her ramen. But then breaking news and all news is MTV news. <gasps> oh my God. I love it. Because it's legit MTV news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's actual people from MTV news. Uh, yeah. Well, one of their uh, anchors cameos as herself to announce uh, that that Dujour is missing after a plane crash just outside Riverdale. And uh, that there is a commemorative box set well, already available. <laughs> My favorite thing about that is she says that after they haven't released a statement yet, but <laughs> it's available. You can get it. Nothing suspicious. No, no, sir. And of course, Melody being the way she is, she's like, oh, we should like raise money for a search party and have a bake sale. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Josie and Val are very sad, but Val's like, well, at least they had a record deal before they died. <laughs> like, well, shit. <laughs> like... Maybe we should uh, think about that a little more. <laughs> this does, like, basically get them pumped. Get them pumped that they gotta, like, make it happen. They can't just wait for something. They gotta chase their dreams. But we, the audience, do have to wait because Alan Cumming is doing things. Well, we have to go shopping. Hell yeah. We have to go get a tour of Riverdale where we see that there's, Riverdale has a trolley. Yes. They have a Rite Aid. Riverdale, they have a Bloomingdale's? Riverdale is a cross between, like, Birmingham, Michigan, and Michigan Avenue, Chicago. Yes, it's very strange. Yes. Um, but Alan Cumming is in the, like, CD store, and uh, he's all like, Hey, random employee who's DJing, I need you to play this new last single mm-hmm. of DuJour that they recorded, you know, a couple days ago before they died. Behind Alan Cumming, he he is uh, uh, framed by a huge display for the Sega Dreamcast. Yes. <laughs> including a life-size standee of Ooh La La from Space Channel 5. <laughs> yeah. 
which would honestly be a great aesthetic for a future Josie reboot to go for. The sort of uh, retro future go-go dancers of Space Channel 5. Yeah. I, I'd be into it. They, they put the CD on the single, and mm-hmm. this is when we find out that the music seems to be very influential. Very influential, to the point of mind control. <laughs> like, before the CD is put in, uh, we, we see our mean girl trio talking about how much they love buying pink shoes because they're better than red shoes, and, red, and, and pink is the new red. As soon as they listen to the new single du jour, <laughs> a switch immediately flips like, ah, oh, Pink shoes are so, like, yesterday. Orange is the new pink. Let's go buy orange shoes. Yeah. And we also get my favorite line in any film of all time. I gotta buy a six-pack of Zima. You don't even drink. I think I'm gonna learn. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's so good. Uh, So then there's, like, this uh, edgy, kind of gothy, but not really girl that shows up she's alternative she's alternative and she's like this is really sucks and (laughs) he's like "Ooh, you're a free spirit we love free spirits i love to hear what i'm doing wrong but imagine this in alan cummings uh english accent i guess uh and so he he's like you know i want to i want to hear about this so please follow me and uh he he makes a little call that uh says smells like teen spirit another code word all of his code phrases are are lyrics i guess uh and well he's in the music business he's in the business uh and that is code word for meet me at the back door with a <laughs> panel van and we're going to abduct a girl we're going to black bag a teenager <laughs> no questions asked uh so they do that and uh he has his new task, which is to get a new band by tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it has to happen. His boss, the, the head of the record label, is just screaming in his ear about the phone, uh, on the phone about it. So uh, we, we go to the sidewalks of Shopping <laughs> District, Riverdale, mm-hmm. uh, and the Pussycats are there to play an unplugged show. Um, out on the street... Melody has a giant stand-up bongo, like like she's uh, like in I Love Lucy. She's gonna play Babalu. It's not a bongo, <laughs> but it is a, a strange stand-up drum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as they're getting ready to play, one of the shop owners runs out and is like, "What are you doing? I can't sell orange things if you're here." Everyone is wearing orange. Like the song is that powerful. Uh, so he calls the cops. And they're like, oh, he's not going to call the cops. But the cops totally show up. So they take off running. Into the street where Alan Cumming is being shouted at by his boss in his ear. You need to find me a band, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, where, how am I supposed to find a band? They're not just going to jump out and, ah! and he nearly runs them over. Yes. It's good. In his the comic timing is very good. Ray-Ban themed car. <laughs> yes. Um, and my favorite thing that happens here is, so they're like standing there in the headlights, like, oh my gosh, we almost died. And he's looking at them as like, there's fog moving in and the lights and everything. And he, and he holds up, up a blank CD jewel case. And holds it there where they're like framed, just as people who took down the shiny sign about like number one band over the du jour billboard walk behind them. <laughs> It all frames them perfectly while he is listening to Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. It's perfect. It's so good. 
Uh, so he does what any uh, manager does, and he takes them to a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You can uh, tell because it says Starbucks on signs every, every three <laughs> feet or less, including in the fucking bathroom. So he he is just so glad to be sitting there with the pussy hats. Everybody loves an evening with the pussy hats. He predicted the future. Yeah, they, they all wear notorious RBG shirts. Uh, their signs are all about how they'd rather be at brunch right now. Loves hanging out with the pussy hats. Uh, so he want he's like, hey, I want to sign you, um, with major record. And just as he's like handing them a contract, manager buddy, Alexander and his sister like run in. They're like, don't do it. And he's like, but you'll get money too. And they're like, do it. (laughs) They're simple folks, these cabots. And Josie points out the fact like, you haven't heard us play. This is kind of weird. Oh, well, if you're such an expert, maybe I'll go find another band. And they they have like a bathroom conference where they just basically repeat themselves. And scream. I don't know, guys. And then they all scream in unison because they're so damn excited for their dreams to come true. Yeah. They sign it. And uh, And they get on the Motorola plane because Motorola planes have a much better safety record than Target planes. Yes. And so while they're on the plane, Val's like, hey, maybe I should, like, throw out my bus pass. I don't need this anymore. Like, I'm not going back to that. But then they're, like, all looking at their bus passes and they're like, wow, we must be the only people in Riverdale that have three people in their bus pass photo. Because <laughs> apparently they had took group photos. They allow that if if you're just spunky enough. If you If you got moxie, they will let you do that. So they decide, no, we're going to hang on to these to remember where we're from. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make a promise to always put our friendship before the band. Now, and you're like, wow, that's not going to go well, is it? <laughs> foreshadowing right here. <laughs> this feels like a lot of foreshadowing. Uh, for, for some reason, uh, Wyatt, their, their real manager, fuck you, Alex, uh, goes and, and makes a call to the office. So he does it in the cockpit. And as soon as he enters... <laughs> The pilot Lex starts like getting up like, and going okay. for a shoot. Like, no, 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 no. Just making a call. How many people has Lex killed? How much blood is on his hands? A lot. A lot of people. From what they say later on in the movie, a lot. Oh, you, like everyone. You want to know the worst part about this? Hmm. This came out four months before Aaliyah died in a plane crash. Aaliyah apparently auditioned for this. <laughs> right? It was like... Aaliyah, Beyonce, and... Uh, Left Eye from TLC. Left Eye, yeah. Who is referenced in dialogue, I think, in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they land. Uh, they get whisked away to John Frieda mm-hmm. uh, for a makeover montage with singing. Yet again. Like we do. It's actually a very long makeover montage. What I was thinking this this whole time as, as they're having their transformation slash music video is that this structure of we, we have some plot, we have some gags, we have best friends forever touching moments, and then we just chill out with a montage for a while. This would be an incredible sleepover movie. Oh, yeah. This is when you get snacks. This is when you pee. This, this is, is when, when you, you get, you up, get up, and up and dance. dance. Yeah. Yes. This, this is when you talk about boys, because, you know, you're not missing any of the, the funny stuff. This is when you talk about which pussycat you would be. Right. And whose outfit you like better. Yes. Because if you're having a sleepover, you're probably too young to be talking about sex in the city, yet having the same conversation. Back then, people, the same people were watching <laughs> Sex in the City. 
<laughs> like, that was a thing that apparently had no age restrictions. <laughs> So after they get their makeover, which honestly, it kind of just looks like they brushed their hair and curled it a little. Not much really happened. They, uh, they got a little bit of that glitter brush on their faces. Oh, so much glitter. There is so much glitter eyeshadow, so much glitter lipstick. There are many tacky glitter tattoos. Oh, yeah. This this movie only gets <laughs> glitterier as it goes. My favorite is later when like Josie is in... Uh, an evening dress Mm -hmm. and she has the most clashy glitter tattoo (laughs) to finish off her outfit is that at the big party yes and it like does not match at all (laughs) i'm just like what the hell is that yeah as they exit apparently the the runway landed them at the back door of this store because it's their first time seeing the city they're in when they come out from their makeover which includes a really giant billboard of them already and i'm like when did you do that photo shoot on the plane (laughs) time has no meaning in a montage here's the thing is i'm pretty sure later we totally get them in those outfits in a montage that's how constructed these images are. That's how plastic they are. They have the picture before they even take it. It's such a machine. And what I do like, I think that image is actually the like cover art for the movie. Yes. And I love yes. that they use it again and again and again. Uh, but there, there is the first sign of a rift because it doesn't, this billboard does not present them as the pussycats. It is Josie and the pussycats. Now let's pause on this for a second. What do you think the messaging is in the fact that the movie is actually Josie and the Pussycats and not <laughs> the Pussycats? Hmm. What do you think that, hmm. like, let's let's dwell on this for a second. What is What are they trying to get at? It's especially strange seeing how Valerie's estrangement from the group is uh, increasingly racialized as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few comments like, wait, are they going for that? And then after a few, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're going for that, huh? Okay, okay. Yeah. Especially the weird Captain and Tennille gag later. Yes. But, like, it's something I'm thinking, like, why? Mm, mm. You know, this is the plot line. Did we, did they debate what to actually call the movie? I mean, I think it's a matter of Josie and the Pussycats is the brand name, is the source material, is the trademark. So you have to call the movie that. I guess. But they wanted to have this split, and that seemed like an easy way to get it in the the script, in the narrative. And they just either didn't find or or just, like, postponed finding a way to knit those together until it was too late. Just wash their hands. Now, what I did love was uh, when when Val, like, brings this up and she's like, but... Like, what? We're not that. And uh, Wyatt is all like, well, tell me, would you rather buy, you know, the Pussycats or would you rather buy Josie and the Pussycats? As an a album, CD a or CD. a comic or a movie or, you know, a and cartoon. Th- this speech is he's gesturing and he's moving his head in, in sort of like a grandiose arc, like leading up to, to like a... Uh, uh, Spielbergian middle distance stare, but his eyes cross exactly over the camera lens right on the phrase or a movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, good job. Good job. Uh, so then uh, they all get into the limo, but basically almost leave Val behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then a shadow man appears. <laughs> Which is so fucking wild. 
<laughs> like, this is a subplot that is important, that does have a payoff, but it goes like 20, 25 minutes before the next thing, and it seems <laughs> like, so out of place. Did someone walk in front of the camera and they couldn't reshoot, or was that like a thing? You don't know for a while. You don't know. Um, so then, uh, we finally get to go meet Wyatt's boss, which yes. is, uh, her name's Fiona. She's played by Parker Posey. We have heard her voice. We've seen her, uh, in silhouette a few times, but over the course of this scene, we finally see the face of Parker Posey. Yes. Um, and she is in her office and some government officials have been, uh, led in and she... From governments all over the world. Yes. And she is going to give them a tour. And, uh, this is where... <laughs> My, fa- my favorite quote from all of this does not come from the movie. It comes from you. <laughs> because she wipes her hand in a, a dusty white substance to reveal some buttons. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, it's okay. It's a Zen garden. I thought it was cocaine. I thought it should be cocaine. <laughs> I still think it should be cocaine. I don't know. Your reaction was very much you thought it was actually cocaine. I was... Sh- I did, and I was shocked at that. And then I saw the little rake, like, oh, it's it's an office Zen garden. But wait, it should be cocaine. <laughs> She's fucking nuts. <laughs> so she, like, slams this touchscreen, and then, like... They basically down Periscope. This office goes into a subterranean chamber. Parker Posey is going to declare war on the G.I. Joe operation. But before the end of this movie, it's amazing. She takes them to the command center of... Uh, of her record label. Like, yes. It's, it's never anything bigger than just this big hit record label. Yeah, but if you... Brainwashing. Brainwashing but, but the, happens Yes, there. the brainwashing division. Um, so that is when some, like, chairs, like, rush in, like, a movie ride, and all the government officials sit down, and she's like, okay, so, uh, I have a short educational film for you. And I was like, oh my god, this better be, like, Mr. DNA. And it is, with a special guest appearance <laughs> by Eugene Levy. <laughs> he is an Eugene Levy as himself. This is post-American Pie. So, like, the the sort of teen audience they're aiming for would know who Eugene Levy is. He's not, like, the weird guy from Waiting for Guffman. He hung out with Stifler for a while. He's the dad. He's the guy. He's the dad. Uh, And so he is there to talk about subliminal messaging in rock music. Mm -hmm. And we get a lovely little short educational video of him and cartoons. Yes. Telling us all about about it. The the untapped buying power of uh, teenagers who have incomes but don't have bills. So it's all consumer spending. And if we control consumer spending, we kickstart the economy and we can control the world. And... That's the music industry, all right? You don't have to do mind control for that. (laughs) Well, they want them to buy other things. And I'm like, all you have to do is say that person likes it. (laughs) Like, it's... MTV was already doing this for you. But they are MTV, as we we will see how deep it goes. But, like, it's a very strange thing of taking the, like, that's consumerism. You did it. You, You found it. Good job. But turning it into this this gonzo cartoon plot, like, th- this is a cartoon. 
Only about 40 seconds of it are animated, and we just mentioned them. But this is a cartoon film. <laughs> yes. Uh, the government officials are like, well, you know, how how do you keep this going? How how does no one found out? And they're just like, we fucking kill everyone. <laughs> Plane crashes of celebrities, that was us. Drug overdoses of celebrities, that was us. Mm -hmm. We kill everyone. And in order to sell the story, we have our own hit TV show. And Behind the music. Behind the music is part of it. Behind the music is evil. <laughs> I love it. I love this all. <laughs> uh, I I mean, there, there's two points in this sequence that I just really adore. One is Parker Posey going around and talking about how she not only directs consumer spending, but all sorts of attitudes and fashions. It's it's the devil wears cyber Prada. <laughs> yeah. And this came out first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, today the devil wears Prada was announced to, uh, as a... a Broadway musical oh, in 2022. No. Yeah, no. I'll, I mean, they could get Meryl Streep to reprise her role. I'm curious about who's doing the the score, but I'm uh, I'm not into that just from the announcement. But well, no, I'm not into anything that's just, hey, we're turning a movie into a musical. Exactly. Uh, uh, like, can we new original content, please? The band's visit gets a pass because nobody saw that movie. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to make something really obscure, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. I swear, if I get a Perks of Being a Wallflower, the musical, I'm going to fucking lose my shit. It's going to be... Like, a, stop it. It's going to be a jukebox musical of The Cure for some reason. <laughs> with no, with no, one licensed no. Rocky Horror song. No. There's going to be a jukebox musical of Linkin Park. <laughs> Can you imagine the Broadway auditions for that? Of those, like, poor Broadway actors going in there and being like, I have to do what? And trying to, like, <laughs> make those noises that no one could make but him. Oh, God. Oh, how do you, how do you, how could you do Perks of Being a Wallflower without the Bowie song? You couldn't. Then again, there is a Bowie jukebox musical, so maybe it wouldn't be that hard to get it. Uh, but anyway, the second thing I wanted to bring yes. up, <laughs> the two things I wanted to bring up, is that in the sign-off for his video package, Eugene Levy uh, uh, oh, yeah. calls America the most ass-kicking country in the world. With a the, girl in a bikini holding an American flag behind him. He predicted Toby fucking Keith. He predicted, we'll put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. This movie is prophetic. Back to Josie, uh... She and her her gang mm -hmm. uh, get taken to. At first, I thought they were gonna like record a music video, but no, it was just a recording studio that looks like a TARDIS. It literally is a TARDIS. This is a 1960s black and white TARDIS, and it, it's decorated like Hartnell's TARDIS. Yeah. It has like a weird Edwardian chair. It's very strange. There, there's also like a fancy secret processor like music Ooh. processor that's very like oh look at this thing here's how it works well how does it work well stop asking questions this is very clearly the machine that puts the subliminal messages in oh yeah which is why it's so secret and also we get this because they, they pester Wyatt about it so much uh he has him play like eight bars records it on the machine the machine plays it back and uh they want to go shopping including Die Hard uh, Vegan Melody wants a Big Mac real bad right now. Yes. 
Um, so then they go to record more music and we get another music montage. It's, it's our third music video. This one presented as a music video shoot. Uh, so lots of photo shoots, a lot of music video shooting while also eventually turning into a chart climber montage yes. we, we keep until seeing, they're number one. We keep seeing this uh, song go higher and higher and higher on uh, the charts, which is why it's hilarious that uh, as soon as the song's over and we get back to regular spoken dialogue, they say, wow, it's been a hell of a week. Billboard magazine comes out on a daily basis in this world. <laughs> like the the actual line is, does anyone think it's strange it happened this week? And they're all kind of look, and he's getting ready to make his phone call to kill them. <laughs> and then they're like, No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And he's like, Okay, we're not going to kill you right we, now. We recorded our song and and, and, and t- literally topped the charts all in a single week. It's fine. Uh, so then they get their first experience of screaming fans coming to their hotel room. And once you know it, it's the same mean girls. They have denounced du jour. And they are now wearing the color of the day. And they have pussycat tattoos on their butts. Yes. Yes, they, they do. Want to show they them. want to show them off. And the doors get slammed in their face. Also, uh, Alex and Alexander are around. Just FYI. <laughs> They do nothing. Oh, oh, and so is Alan M. He came on this trip, too? He came on this trip so that he wouldn't be left behind in Riverdale with Alexandra to fawn over him and try to steal him from Josie. Who just came, But she came, too. I guess because Alan came? Yes. I guess. No, it's because she's in the comic. (laughs) That's what she... So Wyatt's like, hey, Fiona's hosting a party tonight. It's very exciting. It's celebrating all things Josie. Josie, here's your invitation. Melody, here's your invitation. Valerie comes as a plus one. I guess you can come, too. It's fine. I wish I could remember uh, the, the way Wyatt first described them on the phone to, to Parker Posey. The first thing he says is, imagine some uh, lady singer, I forget, but there's three of her and one has a really deep tan. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Wyatt? Yes. It's... Well, and then doesn't he later say, like, well, think of TLC, but two are white. <laughs> yes, yes. That's one of the That's other the ones. That's the immediate following yeah. line to the one I'm thinking uh-huh. of. Yeah. Uh, it is, oof, it is heavy and, like, in your face. And, and the invitation is just, like, a picture of Josie's face. Mm-hmm. It's just her. No one else is there. That, that's why I say the, the sidelining of Valerie starts is like, mm, is is this a, a, a racialized thing and that's your point? Or are you just kind of like, it's 2001. We can be a little rude. We don't have to be politically correct in our jokes. It's, it's all in good fun. But as it goes on, like, no, no, they're leaving her out because she's the black one. And that is the point. <laughs> they are saying that the music industry is racist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is... Like, very surprising, considering what this movie is so much of. Like, oh, we, we did that. So, uh, oh, this is when they also find out that they're going to be playing a big stadium concert. <laughs> a big stadium over concert. Over the weekend. Oh, yes. The, the tickets are already sold out. We've seen big sold out signs in the last montage, and now they're finding out they're going to be there, you know, playing it. Uh, so we uh, then go to Fiona. Oh, Fiona. Where Fiona. My queen, my half-budget Effie trinket. Fiona is with the the government officials, and she is wearing a cat toy costume. <laughs> it's such 
actually yes. her, her outfit is made of cat toys like those cat toys that are feathers on a stick yeah on, are on just like a little coming, wire stick they're coming like out of her neck. attached to like a choker and her dress and they're just like sticking out in every direction i also love the moment i pointed it out to you and you were like oh my God. i was just thinking like well we're also predicting the hunger games design <laughs> aesthetic why not She's effie why yeah. not but no, yeah, it's literally cat toys. She's going for it. She goes hard. I love my girl. So uh, this is where we find out a little bit more about this big mega concert. They're selling these like headphones that look like cat ears and branding, baby. Um, basically, everyone needs it to listen to this live streamed mega concert that's happening around the world. They can't hear it unless they have them, mm-hmm. so they're buying it. But then they'll also be brainwashed, of course, with the music. Mm-hmm. So. This is the first hint that uh, she's going to put in as something a little extra in the big concert, not just the consumerism message, but now she is going to do something to the whole world, including her her global elite uh, uh, co-conspirators. Clearly, she's going to turn all the world's governments into cat boys. Yes. Yes. A noble goal, I must say. She's just ahead of her time with cats. <laughs> Uh, so we also find out here that the voice of the subliminal messaging is Mr. Uh, Movie Phone. Rated R. Yeah. <laughs> I could be Mr. Movie Phone. He's got to retire sometime. Oh, wait. Movie Phone doesn't exist. Um, and then there's like a whole thing where like it comes out like she's going to take them down. She's mm-hmm. going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like kids will never know what hit them and neither will you. What'd you say? What? What? That <laughs> bit goes on. Way so too, too long. long. It's so fucking long. Parker Posey does a great job with it. She sells it the whole time, but that doesn't mean it should have been that long in the first place. Oh. No. So this is where Val is watching uh, behind the music. Cap, Cap- In her Target-themed hotel room. Yes. She's watching a behind the music of uh, Captain and Tennille and the Chief, the forgotten third member nobody remembered who wrote all their hit songs. But got cut out of the band because he's the black guy. <laughs> Get it yeah. yet? Now it's getting real explicit. Uh, and then we also see Melody, who's getting ready in her McDonald's-themed hotel room, <laughs> which has uh, she has a French fry like loofah. It's so good. It's adorable, actually. And she keeps uh, singing, "If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands." And so she claps her hands and drops her loofah and has over to pick and it up over again. and just keeps doing it. She. This might be like the best part of her in the movie because she's so committed to dropping that loofah. The best comedy she personally does is physical. The best melody jokes in the whole film are the ones that don't rely on her Tara Reid doing much of anything, like the one that's about to follow. Yes. <laughs> if she doesn't have to do it in, like, dialogue or face, it's okay. Uh, so, while she's in the shower with her fry loofah, <laughs> uh, a shadow passes by again. Dun, dun, dun. Ba-ba-bum. And she comes out of the shower, and she screams, because there's writing on the mirror. It says, beware the music. And uh, she's like, goes up to it. She's very like nervous and scared. And oh no, no! And she looks at it, and she draws a happy face in in the O and a heart. And she's like, "That's better." <laughs> and it's so good. But you know, why not have a scary murderer plot? We've already killed a member of the cast of Scream. Yes. And that was before this. Yeah, that was before this. 
Uh, oh, Josie's room is Revlon themed. She's in the Revlon suite, my dear. Um, obviously, that's uh, you know much more highbrow than the, <laughs> the Target, Target or McDonald's. <laughs> Target sells Revlon, so like, eh. Eh. Though I do want to know why Bounce always goes with Target, because that Target room had Bounce as well. <laughs> it's true. So Alan uh, or Wyatt? Sh- nope, Alan. This is the actual Alan character, not Alan. <laughs> At some point I switched. At some point I switched. This is it. This is where it happened. So Alan M mm-hmm. uh, shows up with a pizza. Hell yes. And Josie forgot to tell him that she had to go to a party. Yes, this is their big debut and, to to the hoi, to, to the hoity toities. And this is where she's wearing that dress, and I said she has an awful glitter tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my favorite thing is she, you know, she's like, well, how do I look? And she's like, I. You know, I I tore out the front and I made wristbands because she's in a band (laughs) and it's edgy. This movie just like screeches to a halt for me whenever Alan is around. (laughs) It's such an absurd cartoon. And like, obviously, we love those parts. That's when the movie works. That's when it's at its best. That's when the movie flies. But when it stops to be a regular movie sometimes, which is basically just the Alan M parts... Who fucking cares? Well, it's also because he's just boring. <laughs> he's There's boring. nothing interesting about him. And the whole time you're like, Josie, why do you care about this dude? He is kind of a wet sponge. The, the, the emotional stuff that works is the relationships between the band members, particularly Josie and Valerie, because Melody sucks. Yes. <laughs> So the whole thing, like, Alan's like, well, can we do something tomorrow? No, nope, she's too busy, too busy, too busy. Okay, 4.15, I, we'll do this thing. And he rushes her out to the party. Uh, and so we get to the party, and Fiona's face is on every fucking thing. She is yes. her own brand. She's Fiona. She is, she is Bounce. She is Target. She <laughs> is a brand. Which she is, is Steve Madden Shoes. Totally messaging yeah. about what's to come even more. Even more. The band gets invited up to Fiona's private suite well, for girly times. Before that, Fiona has to make her grand entrance. Oh, and the God. whole time I'm like, first off, why is she not in her cat toy outfit? She changed. <laughs> and it's this weird, like... She has choreography. Choreography, down musical the number thing. She has backup dancers to make an entrance into a party she's throwing for someone else. But yeah, and so she she whisks them away to her girly room, mm-hmm. which is no boys allowed, only girls, except for the help. And later Wyatt, like there are clearly boys allowed in the no no boys allowed room. Uh, and so th- this this scene is it's really fucking weird. It's amazing, Fiona. In this scene, I've decided that she is not a human adult woman. She is an evil baby who's doing like a 13 going on 30 thing, but she's like three years old in a super powered executive's body and she's loving it. Cause she like had snacks brought in for them and it was Pringles and Twinkies and Bugles and like some candy. And she goes to eat a Pringle and then talks about how she is fat. But then 
it goes into this whole thing where she's questioning Josie's weight and she's like, oh, well, I'm three pounds lighter than you. It's very weird. It's very weird. It's very, but I love the way she eats the Pringle. She carefully selects a Pringle. She sets it down on her disposable plastic party plate. She pauses to make it clear that that is all she's putting on her plate. Then she almost eats the Pringle in, in this exchange. <laughs> it's so good. This scene was where I was like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Is she an alien? Is she a robot? Is she uh, a swamp monster? Like, what the fuck is this person? By the by the end of the scene, as as she is just going wild, like she is not she she is not a person. She is the system. She is consumerism. In the way that Judge Dredd is the law personified, she is consumerism and and uh, uh, music industry culture you, as a person. Are you telling me she be she, she should be in American Gods? She could she be. She is a new god. Yes. The second like season, go along with Tech Boy. The second season would have been better if she were new media, and new media is probably one of the better parts of the second season to begin with. Honestly. Oh, man, American Gods started strong. Such a good first season. Such a great first season. Then, it, it turns out things change when you change the entire creative staff. Yeah. And then do it again for the third season, so fucking crapshoot there. Who knows? Who knows? It's on right now, I guess, if we want to find out, but I <laughs> She is an elemental, but the element is consumer culture. Yes. That's why she doesn't behave like a human. She isn't one. She doesn't have guts. She she has bounce dryer sheets in there. Yes. They eventually leave, and Val calls it out like, hey, did anyone else think Fiona was a freak? <laughs> and Melody is all like, yeah, you know, I just like, she said her name, and I felt a chill up my spine. And she's sitting next to an ice carving. Yeah, she's sort of sitting on the ice sculpture. <laughs> But it's also a callback to, uh, particularly in the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, Melody had her, like, slight psychicness. She always had sort of a sixth sense for danger and, and uh, unsavory people. Yes. Yes. Uh, Wyatt is with Fiona, and they're based, uh, they're watching video of the, the girls talking, mm -hmm. and he's like, okay, I'll, like, get a new band. I'll she work on that so tomorrow. so ready to kill people. At a moment's notice, him and that pilot, I didn't forget about you, Lex. I'm watching you. But this is where we find out that, like, half a million Josie ears have been sold for big concert. <laughs> for big concert. <laughs> they, they don't use an article for big concert. It is called big concert. <laughs> it, Fiona becomes squanto for a second, and I don't understand that. I, I think it's that child thing that you talked about <laughs> yeah. where she is a three-year-old. Yeah. Big concert. This is what we call things. Um, and then they, like, have a laugh-off? How Who can maniacal laugh each other more? There, this reminds me of something I, I had in my notes earlier. Alan Cumming brings some moments of, like, pathos and depth to Wyatt, which is a very strange thing to say after everything we've said. But it... It's, it's something that I think only Alan Cumming and people like him can do is try to find some reality in this absurdist cartoon of, of an acting role without breaking the tone or, or snapping out of its particular reality. Like you constantly get a sense that he wants to be liked so bad that he wants to fit in that, that he's doing all of this 
for power and control because he hasn't figured out how to be a nice person and power and control is how people will like him even though he's smart enough to know they don't really like him they're just scared of him or employed by him the the way he tries and fails but damn it he keeps trying to match his boss's evil laugh is one of those moments i want to know what his process was for this like did he like <laughs> you know journal his character's hopes and fears and like you go out into society and was this character <laughs> to order like a coffee and then see how the crowd reacted to him. Like, I have questions about how he prepared. I hope it was exactly that. <laughs> I'm not into like people when they're like, I method act and I stay in character all the time. But I love when I hear that actors are like, I put on the character and I went to, like, the grocery store just to see how people fucking reacted to me. And I'm like, yes! Because <laughs> your character's insane and you're nuts and, like, you're just off the charts. And then, so I'm like, I just wish I could have been there. Mm -hmm, I wish mm -hmm. I could have been at that mire when you were walking around pretending to be whoever you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love stories about that when, when doing it isn't just being an asshole to people who are just trying to do their jobs and also doesn't cause, like, well, yeah. a danger to yourself or others. Yeah. No, like, just being, yeah. like, a strange person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going about their life. That's not fun. causing havoc, but, yeah. like, seeing how people react to it and then... But yes, not not the ones that like break shit or take advantage of people. <laughs> or nearly give themselves tuberculosis. Like you don't have to do that. You have a wife and kids, dude. Is that what's his name? <laughs> yeah, like for Gangs of New York, he almost died like three times. See, that's why I say method acting is fucking bad. <laughs> I like when people do activities. Yeah. Not live the life. Yeah. And, like, get TB and <laughs> typhus and whatever. <sighs> but uh, the, the next day, it is date time with Josie and Alan yeah. M. They go to the city aquarium. They go to the city aquarium. Where she is immediately spotted. And they, so they have to run away. They do a the hard day's night thing. Every every band movie since the Beatles has had this scene. And so they, uh, they sneak away into a very private... Uh, whale watching room, which I assume is like the room at the shed where it has thinner glass. You can actually like talk to the whales through the glass. Mm -hmm. No um, matter how thick the glass is, it is sponsored by Evian. That's yes. important for you to know. Um, and so they they have a little chat about you know whether she can do it or not, and how he believes in her, and you think they're gonna smooch, but then like a stalker diver shows up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they run away again. Maybe, maybe he's staff. Maybe somebody who's cleaning the tanks really loves Josie. No, I'm going with he's he's a guest who just he, happened to bring all his dive gear. He brought here. his scuba suit. <laughs> he 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 uh brought it in in his daughter's like stroller. You can fit so much stuff in in the underside carry on. Sometimes dogs. I love seeing walking around and like seeing people have their dog in the bottom of like the stroller, just chilling. Just chilling. Back at the uh, hotel, uh, the girls are together. Josie's trying to to talk to them about the lineup for big concert. Big concert. And Val is really completely over Josie being on everything and mm -hmm. everything. With Josie, that. Josie, Josie. What about us? There's three pussy cats here. Uh, and so Wyatt comes in and he's like, "Oh, 
uh, Val and Melody, you're going to go be on uh, TRL. Just them. Josie's otherwise booked, and Josie's like, I don't care about that stuff anyway. This is your dream. Go meet Carson Daly. Live it up. And Val's all like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, Josie. I love you. And uh, so they go, and uh, oh, and uh, Melody is so excited to meet Carson Daly. Yes. She wants to smooch him. She want, And she's like, can I touch him? I'm like, anywhere you want. Hell yes. Probably did touch him anywhere <laughs> he wanted, because they were dating. They, yeah, T- Tara Reid and Carson Daly were an item at the time of this film's release. Whether they were at the time of filming is, it depends on which movie trivia source you're reading. But they certainly were at the time of release. The majority of stuff I saw (laughs) Mm -hmm. said that they met on MTV stuff. So, like, some stuff says filming TRL. A lot of things said spring break. TRL was often filmed over spring break, so it makes sense when they did their spring break thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going with that versus they met on this set, especially considering dialogue that happens soon. Yeah, yeah. So, So they go off to go do that. And uh, Wyatt is all like, okay, cool. So I need you to listen to this new track that we cut, this new master uh, CD here. Um, and she's like, oh, well, I will later. I got to go, you know, on my date. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, he called. He canceled. It's not just a date. Alan M. is performing at an open mic in some big city bar. Yes. And I love this scene because it's, oh, he canceled. Well, he, he didn't t- call me. Oh, he called me. Well, did he leave a message? Or why, he called- why, why did he call you, but not me then? Well, he did. He left you a message. He left me a message. Yeah, hold on one second. And he like gets on his phone and is like... <laughs> he calls the front desk to give them the message. And then he goes back and talks to her. And she's like, well, did he say anything about this? Hold on a second. <laughs> and like four times. <laughs> and then finally, he's just like cut the shit like i am a busy record label man you gotta just deal he comes down with the weight of authority and also the guilt trip of like all he's done to to lift them out of obscurity are you committed josephine because i can find another band who is so meanwhile val and melody go to trl Mm -hmm. but it's all fake it's all fake it's it's all cardboard cutouts and masking tape that spells out TRL on a cardboard TV uh, the, the the Times Square backdrop is just a canvas fly that's hanging limply it's very good and then even Carson Daly isn't real it's Aries Spears from Mad TV if y'all remember Aries Spears you know from Mad TV I don't remember him but I remember Mad TV uh, he was the guy that did all of the impressions that you're about to see him do in Josie and the Pussycats, a theatrical film released in 2001. It's probably why I don't remember it, because it's kind of awful. Oh, he does He does them all. He does Mike Tyson. He does Bill Cosby. He he does Eddie Murphy. He does all of them. It's, it's his thing that he does again and again. Yeah, so he shows up and he's like, I'm Carson Daly. And they're like, you're not the real Carson Daly. And then Carson Daly shows up and he's like, I'm here. He's like, yeah, it's not Total Request Live. It's Total Request Dead. We have one request to kill you. This is how he got a late night show. You do enough executions for for the industry, they will reward you in kind. Yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Josie is listening to the CD, which is brainwashing her, FYI. Mm-hmm. It, it's the latest mix of... It's it's the latest mix of their slow jam, basically. It, it's their love song. Uh, and we get confirmation that Alan M. 
uh, did not call and cancel anything earlier. Nope. He is at his gig trying to reach her, but she can't hear her phone. And we see he's playing in the most god awful ba- bar. Yes, in and they New York. set him up on a bar stool immediately outside the bathroom. Like, pe- like I think you can see a urinal. People are crawling over him to go pee. <laughs> And the only person listening to him is Alexandra Cabot with a big sign <laughs> proving she deserves to be in this movie. Uh, so back for uh, Val and Melody. So uh, they are getting chased by Carson Daly and not Carson Daly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carson Daly is going after Melody. And they're having romantic flirty banter. Yes. Because they were an item when this came out. That's why I say this. Yeah, is, that's yeah. why they were. Is like, why would they have written it like that if not? <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah. And while, then while, Va- while Valerie is trying to to punch, uh, uh, oh god, all the pudding pop stuff. Really, man, that's not welcome. Uh, ever since two thousand and what was that? Fourteen when all that went down. Does not age well. Oh, oh no. What uh, I. Uh, like is that Melody ends up smashing Carson Daly out mm-hmm. with Matt Damon's cutout. Yes, because Matt Damon is much more her type. Yes. <laughs> um. So I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ladies get away and they go to Josie and they find Josie has been completely brainwashed and she is an asshole now. Yes, she. It, it's all about her. It's Josie and the Pussycats for a reason. Uh, she's the big star. She's out front. And, uh... And, and Melody's just trying to be like, but Carson Daly tried to kill us. Don't you care? <laughs> and and the other two, you, you either like it or lump it. Get out of my face. I gotta get my nails painted. And she's ordering this stylist around, like, like some sort of peon, which is very on like uh, She's and, edgy. She's alternative. Yeah, so Josie drives Val away by... You know, it's it's my music. It's Josie and the Pussycats, and you know who's a rock star. I, I am. am. I am. And then <laughs> Val runs away. And then for Melody, she talks about the life cycle of puppies. <laughs> she reminds, or perhaps teaches, Melody is quite stupid after all. That that puppies grow into adult dogs who then grow old and die. And that's what breaks Melody. <laughs> <laughs> that poor precious baby. <laughs> So then we, I guess, kind of get a, a montage of Val packing and mm-hmm. Melody with puppies mm-hmm. and Alan M is sad and Josie is walking down the New York streets with her CD Walkman. Uh, we get confirmation as if it weren't clear enough. <laughs> uh, that, the that, most special effects ever. Uh, that, that this is, you know, the brainwashing at work because we follow in like a in a shot that was stolen by David Fincher the following year in Panic Room, <laughs> we follow the electrical impulse through the workings of the headphones all the way down uh, across, you know, the circuit board down to the laser to the CD. And here, Mr. Movie Phone just whispering poison into Josie's ear. Panic Room stole it from Josie and the Pussycats. And it isn't until she trips and the CD, like the headphones come off. And that she sees the bus pass that fell out of her wallet. Mm-hmm. That she starts to come back to her senses. You might also know it as the the NOS boost shot from uh, Fast and the Furious. Fuck yes, fuck yes, that's the best. That's but before this. No, isn't it? no, Josie and the Pussycats came out two months earlier. Okay, okay, 
that's that's a tie. It's a tie. That's, that's a tie. Because they were tie. filming at the same time. David Fincher stole it from both of them. Yes. See, that's why I wasn't watching this movie in 2001. I was too you were, busy you were just obsessing. An, you were anticipating. I was obsessing about the best movie. What's going to happen with that Dodge Charger? I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed. Let's be honest. You're obsessed. We're so, all yeah, obsessed I mean, here. Yeah, we, we all love Michelle Rodriguez more than Rosario Dawson, yes? Yes. I love Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> she should have played Ahsoka. I'd be so excited for that <laughs> streaming show. Or Ashley Eckstein. Fuck. Uh, she rushes back to the hotel. Uh, Val and, and Mel are gone. But one important thing about the bus pass, we see... Oh, we see the address. We see it clear enough to see Josie McCoy's address. She lives on Glenbrook Street. She lives on Glenbrook yeah. Street, uh, which is the name of my Riverdale-inspired playset for a, a final bid. Because the, what's a river? A river is much like a brook, and what's a dale? It's much, much like, like a, a, glen. a glen. That's how I came up with it, and so I have to imagine that the the writers, uh, or perhaps a uh, uh, design crew, whoever is responsible for the address. Went through the same process. So she lives on Glenbrook, Glenbrook Drive, Riverdale. Yes. Wherever. Uh, well, Upstate New York is what we know. Well, uh, in this film, the zip code is somewhere in Indiana. According to IMDb you trivia, should... th- that zip code is taken by a particular small Indiana town. I think I need a pen pal there. Oh, in Riverdale. Actually, yeah, I'm thinking about it. That's like, nice. I did. But the important thing is that public transit has the ability to, to save the world, uh, healing one broken heart at a time. Yeah, until, like, you're locked out of your Ventura account and they're assholes. <laughs> until then. Oh my god, am I locked out of my Ventura account? I haven't used it since March. How, how would you possibly know? Uh, yeah, she rushes back. Uh, Val and Mel are gone. Her manager's still there. And she's like, you guys, it was the CD. Something's on it. And so they they go back to, like, the studio. Yes, they re-enter the TARDIS. And she, like, messes with all the things, and they eventually find Mr. Movie Phone. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, split, they split the, the uh, song apart into its individual tracks and mute everything that should be there to isolate the... To isolate Mr. Movie Phone's subliminal suggestions. Yes. And so that's when she she figures it out and she hears exactly what it says. And it's when she uh, has the realization and says, I'm a trend pimp. It stops here. I'm no one's pimp. (laughs) And like a normal band movie. Like this is not so far removed from so many films of its type, right? Uh, an obscure small town band goes to the big city and they get disillusioned by how commercial the industry is. Normally, they would know from the beginning that they are being used to sell things. It's really obvious when everything around them is a billboard. Big concert is sponsored by Kodak and and is held at the Sega Mega Arena. <laughs> like, but But... The way this film works, it only becomes clear to them once they find the super secret brainwashing message. Yeah. Uh, and so what Josie decides to do is to try to push over the mega processor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It's really big. It's not. It's, she's it's, like a little teeny baby. It's like, furniture. It's it's big. Um. So then Fiona and her goons rush in, and she's like, "You're not gonna do anything." Yeah. Uh. Yeah. See. Meh. Yeah. Meh. So, uh, meanwhile, Carson Daly is doing TRL um, with a broken arm and pretty beat up. Bandaged head. <laughs> um, and is, uh, you know, pimping out basically the, the big concert. Big concert and the, the live web stream. But, if you he- but the only way to hear the web stream is to buy the, the digital ears. Yep. Aerie Spears, I presume, is dead. I don't think he survived his encounter with Valerie. I don't think so. And so it's it's a concert prep time. We we see a lot of like shots of of people buying merch, arriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of disposable cameras being sold. Hey, it's 2001. Mm-hmm. Film. What's that? <laughs> uh, I just love the the crank noise of advancing the wheel on those right? disposable cameras. Oh, it felt so good. So and there, you also had to decide like what type of disposable camera you were getting. Were you getting the ones that had the flash that you had to hold the button for a few seconds or the one that had the flash where you were sliding? The slidey ones were much better because yes. you, you didn't have to be like, You okay. didn't have to pause. Yeah. You didn't, there was no question about whether the flash was going to go off or not. Mm-hmm. You knew. So I, you needed to shell out that extra money. I like the press and hold flash, though, because it made a great noise. A second great noise. It did, like, wind up. Yeah. There was an electrical yeah. wind up where you're like, is it going to explode or is it going to flash? Who knows? But once it winds up, if you slammed it on, like, the heel of your yeah, hand real hard, it would just flash without taking a picture? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This is what we did before <laughs> smartphones. <laughs> and then you like did it and then the battery would run out and you'd be like, fuck, now I need I, my, I don't have a flash left. I to, can like... only take pictures in the daytime outdoors. <laughs> Not that the flash was necessarily a good thing to use. Do you want everything to be slightly hazy, but you can see everything? Or do you just want to be able to see people's faces <laughs> and nothing else? But uh, Josie and the executive squad are are going to big concert. Josie is there under duress. She is broken out of the brainwashing, but she's being forced there against her will. And all three of them are in incredible costumes. (laughs) Josie is wearing this uh, uh, floor-length blue leopard coat. My Barbie doll had that. To go with her blue leopard pants and her blue leopard like spaghetti strap crop top. It's very a Barbie outfit. It's like you so know, good. You know they t- actually. I feel like I need to Google like what Josie and the Pussycat Barbie dolls look like to know. But uh, uh, Wyatt has this uh, velvet sort of textured uh, jacket on his suit that has a, a, a geometric pattern tessellating around it. It's very very good. And Parker Posey, my my liege, her her outfit is this huge ball gown that is made of like uh uh stickers of her her company's logo all business cards (laughs) maybe whatever they are but they they were all uh safety pinned together in the shape of a ball gown that is just hanging off of her and spreading into this huge train it's incredible and she has her own ridiculous glitter tattoo again of her company uh, uh logo yeah uh, what happens? You know, Josie's like, I'm not gonna, you know, play for you. And they're like, we'll change that. Here's Val and Mel. And here's this car. And it's like a car and one of the spinny things, like mm-hmm. you have the auto show. And she's like, 
Melody thinks she won a car. They're like, that's not what it is. Then she thinks Valerie won a car, and she's very happy for her friend. And no, no, what the car is, is the car, they're going to have it uh, explode in the parking lot before Mm -hmm. the concert and kill Valerie and Melody. Unless Josie goes on to sing. And they've already recorded the the MTV news announcement of their deaths. Yes. (laughs) And what I love is they, so they like put Val and Mel in the car. And uh, Josie is doing this heartfelt apology to them. Yes, while it is spinning showroom style on its turntable. So first, Josie, like, stays in place. And so Melody just keeps having to, like, turn her head. <laughs> like, spin it, as it spins around, she has to snap it back. And then when it's uh, Val's turn, Josie just keeps walking. She's <laughs> going in circles around <laughs> I love it. It's so I good. Love it so much. Until finally they've had enough and they make it stop spinning because they're like, shut up. The visual gags are very, very good. Very uh, good. And when uh, it stops spinning, it's because du jour appears. Some bands, you know, they stay in the test of time. They're resilient. That's the only word for it. Less. The fourth one that no one cared about. <laughs> the the Yes. The least recognizable of the four actors is now the only one with a face. Because he has a neck brace and a cane. Like, he got fucked up. But the other three are in full body casts. Like, plaster all over their faces with holes akin to a ski mask. Yes. You, you see no skin on any of these three men. So here's what I'm ha- not sure there's Donald Faison inside the one. There's no way to tell. So here's what happened. Uh, first off, he's the one that's been trying to warn them with the shadowy figures. It's been them all along. Yes, and the creepy lipstick message. And Remember s- that from forever ago? <laughs> and so here's what happened. Uh, they landed the plane themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not crash. But the thing is, is they landed uh, right at a Metallica concert, and the fans beat the crap out of them. <laughs> but less, less knew enough words to enter Sandman to not get beat to a pulp. Just to... Three quarters of one. Yeah. Yeah. Even the monkey, even the pet monkey <laughs> is is in a plaster cast from head to toe, like glued to the arm of either Seth Green or Breckin Meyer. I, don't I still don't remember one which one had the monkey. monkey. I don't know. They kind of look the same in this movie. <laughs> like, I never and, thought they looked alike until this movie. And to be clear, they are still all wearing their, their earpiece mics. <laughs> The three of them are on the outside of a cast. Their earpiece mics should have been wrapped in little tape, too. <laughs> and, and during all this, this whole, like, story, mm-hmm. uh, Josie was originally on, like, an elevator lift to the stage, but she has escaped that, and she has been trying to release Val and Mel from the car. Yes. But Fiona stops her. Fiona stops her, and then they go into a fight. Yes. Fiona is fighting Josie. Valerie is fighting uh, Wyatt. Melody is fighting everyone else. <laughs> she apparently knows a lot of sick moves. Yeah. She, She's like really good at beating people up. Something else that is heavily implied in, in the 2018 uh, uh, Josie comic. Yeah. They, they have a lot of uh, references to uh, her, her dojo and also her years in special forces. It's hard to tell how much of that is serious because that's just the tone the book's written in. Uh, so Fiona's going to smash Josie with a guitar. Yes. 
just as she's about to do that, Josie ducks out of the way and it smashes the mega machine. Bum, bum, bum. And without this console, they can't live feed in uh, the subliminal messages to Josie singing. Because apparently this is a time before sync tracks, a time before lip sync. No, uh, this was the time of that. This, uh, <laughs> what, yeah, when was Ashley Simpson? Because like, regardless of whether it was before or after that, like playing... That's- Playing to track was established by the fucking electric light orchestra in the 70s, okay? Like, let's be honest, how many of the uh, acts of that time were dancing that hard and actually able to sing? Mm-hmm. I understand that my my precious NSYNC probably wasn't actually singing when I saw them, but you know what? I don't care. Because there's no way they could and also do that uh, uh, choreography. No lungs exactly. on earth could, That's could exactly handle what that. I'm saying. No yeah. one could have done the choreography that any of those acts did at that mm-hmm. time and actually gotten a noise out. Okay, the, the Ashley Simpson hoedown was about eight years later. That was 2009, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was when we all like knew it was happening and we stopped being in denial about it. But we're like, if yeah. you're going to do it, you got to be honest about it. You can't lie to me. Yeah, this came out in the age of denial. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You know, Josie and the Pussycats has such respect for the kayfabe of the music industry. They didn't want to ruin anyone's thoughts about how the business worked. <laughs> and then this is where the movie got really fucking weird again. <laughs> And I just don't really know what to say about it. Yeah, so the the plan defeated. I feel like they let people improvise. Yeah. And they just said, yeah, we'll do that. Fiona uh, Fiona had a lisp in an earlier scene we didn't mention. But now, uh, I think it was in the girly room. Yeah, She's, she like snaps it, it into slipped. it for a second. But now she snaps into it and stays there. And Wyatt recognizes this voice, and in a series of reveals, it turns out that these two went to high school together and were both the biggest outcast freakazoids that everybody made fun of. And so they they completely reinvented themselves with new names, new identities. Uh, Wyatt, the, the man now known as Wyatt, actually had albinism and has been covering himself in pale makeup to, to even out a, a more, a, a less unique skin tone and wearing a wig. And he's also been wearing a girdle. And yeah, Fiona has awful teeth that she's been hiding behind uh, fake teeth. I don't know why she didn't just get dental veneers. She has more money than God. Yes. Uh, she, she's been, she went to like vocal training to uh, hide her lisp, although it just drops sometimes. And she hates it, but now that everybody knows, it's just out forever now. Like Wyatt's girdle. Uh, it's, it's very strange. I don't, I don't. I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this. And as soon as I started writing, as soon as I wrote the note, I don't know what message to take from this. Is this funny? That's when uh, uh, a- Aximili Agasarath Isthil stood up, reminded us he's in this movie, and said, "I don't understand what's happening here." What am I? What is the moral? Yeah, well, and they they try to say something like, "Oh, is it this? Like you should hide who you are because you're or like you you should be proud of who you are." Like maybe. Well, yeah, that's eventually what they get to because they they say a couple other things first, like, "Oh, you should hide if you're a freak. You should do this." No, it's you should be proud of who you are. And I'm like, okay. It's still weird. It's just... It's still very bizarre. I think you just wanted to do a lot of, like, 
bizarre reveals in a row and do like laugh at the weirdo jokes, but still in a way because they're the bad guys, but now it's their redemption. We don't actually think weirdos are bad and you should laugh at them, but just let us do this once. It's very strange and I don't like it. They could just like cut that. Yeah. Yeah. They could just go from everyone getting like the shit beat out of them to the next scene and it'd be fine. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. But this but before we cut to the concert, uh we have to have their final comeuppance. A- yeah. After the two of them have revealed their their shameful secrets to each other, a lot of secrets come out because the the government shows the government up. shows up. And and Josie tells them everything she's learned about the secret plan, which is of course Everything the government already knew. And they're like, oh, 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 you're under arrest. You're under arrest. You're under arrest. But we also learn somewhere in here, I think we skipped well, over so, it. So, no, so what happens is after they say that, he whispers like, it's okay, we're just going to shut you down anyways next week because we found out that subliminal messaging works better in movies. And then a big flash on the screen. <laughs> and it, I didn't catch it all, but I know the last thing on there was join, join the army. Join the army. <laughs> That is the best joke in the movie. Uh, but uh, I, but one thing we skipped over is when, when they break the, the, the evil talking furniture, uh, <laughs> the, the secret message just for this concert, that oh, yeah. uh, the, the reason this concert was being pushed so hard, her double cross, was just so everybody in the world would know how personally cool Fiona is. How cool she is, how thin she is, how awesome she is. Mm-hmm. How everyone should want to be like her and or date her. You remember when her face was plastered all over the party as though she was like, you know, mm-hmm. a thing you could buy or get or a product? It's, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's her own consumerism. She... She went from uh, being, you know, the acolyte of the brands to trying to become the brand. Yes. Uh, which, you know, is, I like it as a thematic line. And I like it as a character note for, you know, she had what in the context of this film is limitless power. And she used it for very personal, petty reasons, which, which I like as, as a character beat as well. The Pussycats go on stage and uh, it's sponsored by Kodak, FYI. Uh, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're going to play. They put my headphones on. And Josie does a little speech about how, you know, uh, they're they're going to play something that they've never heard before. And they, like, hope they like it or maybe they don't. But, like, make that decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. And- Which is a weird thing to say in front of thousands of people in a room. Nobody thinks for themselves in a crowd that size. Nobody. They start playing, and people seem to start liking it. Yeah. And then Alan M. ruins everything again by, like, crowd surfing in. Every time he shows up, it's like, all right, that guy, he's in this. Okay. Uh, So he crowd surfs in, and he yells, like, basically about, like, Josie, I care about you, even if you ditched me for my concert. What do you mean? I thought it was canceled. No, that dick, he lied. <laughs> and then there's a lot of like, he's going to say he loves her, but he gets dropped by the, the crowd. and Because then... they're sick of this subplot too. But no, then they finally get to say that they love each other. And they finish playing the song. And yet again, it is 
a montage music video that is compiled from uh, uh, a lot of shots from earlier in the film, including the earlier montage music videos. And I think what's funny is like one of the last scenes we get is we see Les hitting on Alexandra. Hell yes. Like, hey. 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 And then... Uh, the movie's over, and we immediately go to the credits, where at first I was like, is this more of the film? And then I was like, oh no, no. we're doing one of those 2001 blooper behind-the-scenes montages yeah, yeah. of but a kick line. It's, it's, uh, the, 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 it's the era of outtake credits. It, it's Rush Hour. It's Bend It Like Beckham. The Bend It Like Beckham one's amazing. Yeah, it is. But it's that style of credits. Uh, we get some... The music is obviously the music through the film, some with new recordings, uh, plus one very special song, which is the Hanna-Barbera cartoon theme, but with updated lyrics Yeah. uh, for, you know, the 21st century music biz. And that is Josie and the Pussycats. That's Josie and the Pussycats in roughly the amount of time it takes to watch. (laughs) Josie and the Pussycats, which means we went faster than a Riverdale recap. Hey! (laughs) So, darling, what did you think of Josie and the Pussycats theatrical film for 2001 teenagers like yourself? Okay, so aside from some of that really weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, like take up that stuff. It's very strange to see a movie commit so hard to one or two styles of comedy and then just take a hard turn to a completely out of place one. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work. So aside from that stuff. Yeah. Where I was just like, I don't understand. Um... <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I totally question how I did not watch it as a kid. Right? There is a reason why this movie flopped hard and people hated it in 2001. Because it's like trying to tell a fish it's wet. Yeah. But it had a real reappraisal in the years that followed. I feel like there's no way it could have ever worked in that time period. Because people don't want to see a reflection of what they are and what is going on. Yeah, like, you know, like Im- imagine holding a funhouse mirror up to somebody and shouting, "This is you." Well, it's especially like <laughs> they're not gonna like it. It's a teen movie that's focused on making fun of teens who are obsessed with bands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and performers. You don't want to be set like shoving that in your face, mm-hmm. getting rid of the crowd of people who are supposed to like the movie, and also coming out. In the shadow of an actually awful film, Spice World. Which people loved. <laughs> so maybe that's... You know what? People took sides. It was like NSYNC, oh, Backstreet Boys. Okay. You were, had you be Spice Girls or Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. You had to pick a side. That's what happened. But like years enough after uh, Spice World for people to have realized like, yeah, we were just caught up in the hype. That's objectively a bad movie. I've never seen it all. It's, it is objectively only, a bad movie. I've probably seen like 10 minutes of it. Uh, to, to them, I was not a Spice Girls fan at the time. I appreciate some of the songs now at a wedding, uh, but at the time I was not. But with that movie out in the world and having gone stale out in the world, to then see ads for Joes and the Pussycats uh coming on TV and be like, not going to fool me again. I'm not seeing that trash. Surprise, surprise. You played yourself. You played yourself, 2001 America. Oh, man. It is, like, so strange. I feel like watching stuff, though, from that era Mm -hmm. that goes so hard for the aesthetic. Yes. Because it just all comes back. (laughs) 
All the body glitter. Like all the bandanas. I do miss flared jeans though. Yeah. Can flared jeans come back? Yeah. Watching this and how it nails and exaggerates its moment in time is like if you went back to like the the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be just like a, a Renaissance fair, you know? <laughs> yes. There are eight people selling uh, uh, leather bustiers in a row and everyone's eating turkey legs. And you're like, I did not expect this. <laughs> I didn't think this. I, I'm shocked. Well, okay. So the thing I think is funny about it is some of the things that people wore and did are just comical. It yeah. is almost like... Wow, we were cartoon people mm-hmm. in the fashion choices that like, we were making and everything. Like, you you look at this movie. Look at this movie and everything the band members wear. You think, that can't be real. People but, didn't really wear that. Look at every 90s and early 2000s red carpet with Britney Spears uh-huh. and Christina Aguilera. Uh-huh. And they wore shit ten times weirder yes. than these girls. Yes. And the thing is, is every day... Like, people were wearing, like, the shirt, but just with jeans. Or, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. that's why I love the, um, I think, like, the, as I said, like, the cat ear mm-hmm, bandana mm-hmm. headband. Because, like, everyone wore those freaking bandanas. <laughs> that you're just like, what is the point of this? My favorite early Christina Aguilera look is when she did some event wearing a thong on the outside of her jeans. I like... Fully on the outside? Oh, I mean, I know she had the... Always had, like, the pull-up. No, no. Fully on the outside? I don't yeah. remember that one. That was a good one. I don't remember that one. Huh. That's something a young boy never forgets. <laughs> I want to, like, Google Christina Aguilera thong on outside of jeans, but I don't want to. <laughs> so I will just live in not knowing. Blessed ignorance. I, I had to have seen it, like... <laughs> I followed. I paid attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I don't know that. You know, my first, like, concert concert mm-hmm. was Britney Spears. Nice. For my 13th birthday. You were a month away from seeing this movie. Uh-huh. March to April, one month away. Yeah. That was, like, my, my first, like, that was, like, a really big thing. <laughs> Very, very Josie, big concert atmosphere. Yes, yes. So uh, as a Riverdale recap podcast, I think we should try to talk about this film in connection to today's Archie t- uh, media du jour. Okay. Eh? Eh? Do you think this movie at all vibes with Riverdale, the CW hit, uh, three, four time People's Choice Award winning Riverdale? <sighs> Roberto is dying to, like, remake this and just give all the brands really awful <laughs> knockoff names. <laughs> he, this is, like, he stays up all night trying to rename. Like, instead of bounce, it's, like, skip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I like, I like skip fabric softener. Yeah. Or and wiggle. Wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> fabric softener. Kodak is hard because it's such a good, like, onomatopoeia for a camera click. Kodak well, is Kodak's a, like Kodak is the perfect brand name. Kodiak Canadian film. What's well, what I was like thinking of like Kodiak? Could it just be that? He would love that. That'd be There there is really something that ties them together and makes them miles apart is that this is so distilled, like boiled down uh to a powder you can snort 2001. <laughs> 
while Riverdale. I thought it was cocaine. <laughs> while while Riverdale is just as invested in the very moody, angsty post nine eleven world of media of of angry teens who don't know where they fit in the world and it's desaturated and and moody. Okay, so here is uh, what it would be if it was Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being a subliminal messaging to get people to buy brands, mm-hmm. it'd be about drugs. It, I mean, it'd it's always about, about drugs. drugs. It's about drugs. <laughs> the, the subliminal messaging would be a drug. Mm-hmm. You would listen to it and now you would be high. I'm, uh, another quick difference between the two takes on these characters is Melody talks in this movie. It's amazing. Right? But something in common, Valerie's the most sensible in both. Yes. Yeah, by far. And also gets kind of shoved out of the way after a while. <laughs> that was a character we had? Nah. nah. <sighs> uh, at least Josie went on to, to fulfill her dreams in the future. In a show that got canceled? A lot of shows get canceled. It's not her yeah. fault. That's true. I mean, it's not. It wasn't a very exciting show. It was was not her fault that it was not exciting. I want to see which episodes have Bernadette Peters, and maybe I'll just watch those on my own sometime. (laughs) Bernadette Peters and Parker Posey. Basically anything those two are in. If they were in the same thing, I would die. I would die. That'd be good. Man, everybody listening to this is going to figure out one of my celebrity crushes. Bernadette Peters or Parker Posey? Okay, two of my celebrity (laughs) crushes. Patrick Wilson. Yes, Patrick Wilson. Those are my big three. Yep. (laughs) Bernadette Peters, Parker Posey, Patrick Wilson. Yes. You have a thing about peas. And lovely singing voices. (laughs) Lovely singing voices, yes. (laughs) If you keep revealing my secrets, the listeners will become too powerful. They will destroy me. Just like... Send you pictures of them, and they'll be like, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to slowly break him apart by sending him videos of Bernadette Peters singing. Oh, and someone's going to find one of her with Parker Posey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Patrick Wilson mm-hmm. singing together. Right? Together. They must have done a benefit or something Come on. sometime. That'd be so good. Every time Patrick Wilson sings On the Street Where You Live, I, oh my God, it's amazing. I know. <laughs> I know. It's okay. I know you would leave me. It's, darling, you will always be my fair lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I'm sunburned. <laughs> you'll always, then you're my crispy lady. I'm your crispy lady. Like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so if Riverdale adapted this sort of story, we, we followed the Pussycats getting a record deal, going to the big city. How do you think Riverdale would have handled that back when they were characters on the show? Drugs, I told you, first off. Right, right. Um, it, is the it... Shadow Man would have definitely been a murderer. <laughs> definitely a murderer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it would have been the last survivor of an actual plane crash, <laughs> but he's out for revenge. Maybe the twist is still that he's out for revenge against management and not the girls, ooh, but ooh, maybe he's ooh, out for revenge ooh, against the girls, ooh, actually. I got it. I yeah. got it. Okay. So they're they're flying to New York and they bump other people from the flight 
Uh-huh. Because they use their, like, ooh, we're celebrity privileges. And so those other people get bumped to a different flight. And that flight mm-hmm. goes down, mm. which is why he's seeking revenge. Because he's like, if you didn't bump me from my flight, I would never have gone down. And my wife and child would not have died in that fiery plane crash. Yes. So that's why yes. I'm going to murder you. Okay. I like this a lot. <laughs> I know I you like do. this a lot. I, I think all the stuff about... Uh, separating Josie with like dangling stars in her eyes. Not hard to do. We yeah, knew that happens. That would have been you. You don't need like movie phone bask masking, back masking to do that. You just do it, and uh, hopefully involve you know some of her family issues with her dad. That would have been great. Uh, I still think that's a dangling plot that there was had a lot more uh, to squeeze out of it than they ever tried. Uh, like most things with Josie. I'm trying to like figure out how to make sure the cat toy costume can stick around in this this world. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why did she wear it not when the pussycats were around? <laughs> That's my biggest Because it would have been too distracting. Melody would have like, just slapped it. Slap it, slap it, slap it, slap it. Okay, how about human trafficking? That's what the big concert is actually That's what, for. Yes, yes. It's, it's like human trafficking. Like how with money laundering, you need a, a cash-heavy business, like, you know, a, a beauty salon or something. For people trafficking, you need a, a people-heavy thing. Like, half of that crowd are not, you know, paying ticket-having customers. They're people getting smuggled. Well, and I'm thinking, like, they can just kidnap other people because it's a big crowd. You're yeah. not gonna know, you're not going to know where your friend went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The- Josie finds out. Mm-hmm. And so they got a, you know, crime fight. Melody finds out. She doesn't tell anybody because she doesn't have lines in Riverdale. But could it- <laughs> well, yeah, if it's Riverdale. Because I was going to say, but wait, she has her army training. But no, it's Riverdale. <laughs> she don't do anything. She just watches. Mm-hmm. She gets kidnapped. Yes, that's how they do it. She gets kidnapped, and then they gotta go save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish this movie had been more successful because you want I a sequel. Because I want a sequel. <laughs> because I think that the Cabots did so much. They matched the the uh, tenor of the film perfectly. They did so much with so little that I think a second film where they are involved in the action. Could have been much stronger. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So, in River with Riverdale yes. world, the, the siblings mm-hmm. would have totally been, like, at war with the Blossom Twins. What if their role was filled by the Blossom Twins, though, in Riverdale? What if, uh, instead of Alexandra, you had Cheryl coming along with them? I mean, that would be good, too, and that would be a different type of story. And instead of Alan M., it's Archie. You've, you've got your... Yeah. your Sweet guitar boy who's dating his way through the band. Like, that fits so really well. Cheryl and Tony? Because Jason's dead? Yes. Yes. Tony is their manager. Cheryl yeah. is, is the tag along. Yes. And when they have to go stop the human smuggling thing, mm-hmm. Tony calls up the rest of the serpents and the pretty poisons. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they come beat down. In a reference to the Hells Angels disastrously acting as concert uh, security for the Rolling Stones. Yes. Yes. Historical lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did definitely get mentioned in a line that the audience would have to, like, Google to figure out what the hell Jughead's talking about this time. 
He'd be the ones talking about the Chevy to the levee. Yes. Jughead would have those lines for sure. <laughs> we don't know what happened to Goth Girl. We. She might have been human trafficked. I might no, be onto something here. We do see her. Where do we see her? She is part of the demonstration in the command center. They. Oh. She's part of the demonstration in how effective the cat ears are. Oh. Yeah, we, we the see. The cat ears make the stubborn ones listen. Mm-hmm. The, Got it. She and a crew of other alternative teens, but her in particular, are present in the, the cat ear demo. Okay. In, in command center. Got it. I miss... They didn't zoom in enough for me. <laughs> this movie is like... A, it's it's tight like a drum. You know, you it's perfect. Away. It's absolutely perfect. Except for those moments they provide for you to go uh, to the microwave and, and get some popcorn. <laughs> it's a perfect sleepover movie. I love it. That's the moment where you, you know, you go to use the bathroom and then you're in your friend's house and the door handle falls off the door. Oh, no. And everyone's watching the movie laughing and giggling and stuff and they don't hear you calling for help because you can't get out. You got to climb out the window. You just have to wait till someone else has to pee. <laughs> and then you have to wait for them to find a screwdriver and to wake up their mom to come help. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a real story or anything. Nah, no. Nah, nah. <laughs> Okay, we can't leave yet. We can't leave yet because we missed a line. We missed a perfect line. So, Josie is is sharing her heart and her pain While the car as the car rotates. And she says that, you know, if she had a time machine, she'd go back and make sure that none of this ever happened. Yeah. And Melody is like, oh, that's a good idea. If I could go back in time, I'd meet Snoopy. <laughs> and Josie's like, I know, Melody, and that's why that's you're the I best. That's what I love about you. It's because you think everything's possible. You think everything can come true. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and here's my question, though. Snoopy's a comic character, so in Melody's world here in the movie, is Snoopy real? <laughs> or is Snoopy a comic? So, oh, oh, because she is also a comic She's character. She's a comic character. That's so in true. this universe, is Snoopy real? Snoopy could be a historical character who lived and died in the standard lifespan of a dog. Or Charlie Brown is like a 60-year-old man in what, this world. What if Snoopy was her puppy as a child? Like, who knows? This is so much I deeper can't. than I thought. Yeah, of. yeah. Imagine it's Betty saying, oh, if, if I had a time machine, I'd, I'd get to hug Caramel. And somebody who didn't know about her cat would be like, why do you want to get so sticky? And why would you need a time machine? It could be that situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like, unwrapped several layers there. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, as you can surely tell, we are excited to get back to talking Riverdale. Uh, to, to see these teens off of senior year and beyond uh, starting next week. I believe our show is going to be Friday uploads. That's the that's the schedule we're looking at right now. So, something. So look for us Friday evenings uh, uh, as time goes on. Yeah, it might be something different. Who knows? But that is for next week. So for now, all, all that's left to say is, I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And from us here at Sex Archie. I'm Eugene Levy. Archie's gonna be there. Jughead's gonna be there.